0: blood talk radio
1: Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. So great to be with you. It is a great show. It is our favorite show that we do every year, Trish McFarlane. I would have to say, at least it's my favorite show. It is the HR Happy Hour Oscars Preview and Prediction Show. How are you today, Trish?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I am fantastic. You, can I just say something? Can I let the listeners into a little behind the scenes HR happy hour uh, kind of backstage drama? Can I do that? No. <laughs> I guess we are going to go ahead. You are the ultimate professional Trish as, as the last bars of get happy we're playing launching the show You joined the live show, which was fantastic. That is a pro, pro move. Kudos to you.
2: I have to tell you, it's because I somehow wind up getting my calendar back to back. I'm still going to say, for the record, that I think Outlook or whatever calendar app people use, there needs to be a five or ten minute gap between meetings. It either needs to end at like ten till the hour, right, so that you can get ready for the next one. or we don't. It never ends that way. So, anyway. Well, maybe
1: just like a little AI kind of mixed into your calendar, that is, if you attempt to book, say, that 3 o'clock uh, meeting or call, and you are already booked from, say, 2 till 3, you might get a little, hey, Trish, you might want to consider giving yourself a few minutes here, right? Because you're, you're about to do a back-to-back. No, that could, that could that be useful.
0: Work,
2: I don't think that would work, though, because think about it. With, especially if you're in an office setting or something like that where uh, meetings person you don't really have that luxury right you can't just lose that whole hour of potentially meeting with the people you're supposed to be mm-hmm. meeting with so that's what happens meetings get you know back to back throughout your day and um yeah. i think the only hope is ending them earlier but that's a huge culture change to get people to actually end meetings <laughs> I, this isn't a meeting show maybe we need a meeting show but my yeah. philosophy when i worked in um in corporate hr anyway and i ran you know some fairly large teams was I would book whatever amount of time, say I'd book 30 minutes. I didn't use up 30 minutes ever. If the meeting happened to be a 17 minute meeting, it was a 17 minute meeting. If it was a 38 minute meeting, it was a 38. You know what I mean? So I think I've worked more though where people, if they book an hour, they are going to take every single moment of that full hour. So
0: anyway,
1: well, I'm glad you made it uh, here for this hour because this is really the most fun hour of the HR Happy Hour calendar, I think, of the Oscar show. So for, for newer listeners who may have not uh, be familiar with what we do here on the Oscar show, we take this show every year, usually a few days before the Oscars, just like this year. And we break down the best picture nominees, best director, best actors and actresses. And we just dive into it. It's basically a show about movies. Maybe we'll mix in a little. If there's some workplace kind of parallels to some of the movies, we might talk about that some, but maybe we won't. But it's a fun show. We love movies. We love seeing them. It's a good exercise for us each year to kind of get us out of the house and out of meetings, right? And go check out some great films. That's so, so true. I am super excited about this show. But Trish, we have some, uh, a couple of just a couple of quick announcements we need to make before we get into the movies, and a really special announcement as well. But first, of course, we're doing uh, great stuff on the network. Yeah, we're super excited. We've got some, uh, just in the recent archive, shows we did on inclusiveness in the workplace, on developing yourself, really cool kind of interesting show we had with Ben Brooks. Uh, We talked about HR and HR tech for small businesses uh, recently as well. So everything's in the archive, uh, as well as on the new and improved www.hrhappyhour.net site. Um, we're still booking shows out for Q2 this year, so if you have an idea for a topic or a guest you'd like us to consider, you can tweet at us at hr happy hour, or again contact us through that new and improved website, hrhappyhour.net. And don't forget, of course, I like to mention at every show the HR Happy Hour show on Alexa. Trish, we are two shows away on the Alexa show from show number 200. I can't believe there's almost 200 of those shows out there. Yeah, crazy. You know, and I (laughs) I love
2: that. And and let everyone know that that hasn't listened yet, those are short little two, three-minute bites of information that you can listen to so quickly um, as you start your day or if you're taking a break or you're working out, you're in your car. It's not a full episode. So they're really fun to listen to.
1: Yeah, super interesting and fun, and uh, yeah, between two, three, four, sometimes four minutes. Sometimes I get a little wordy on them, the ones I do, but uh, anyway, check them out on your uh, Alexa device uh, as well as anywhere. You get your podcasts as well. They're also available just on every podcast app too. So let's get to the fun announcement, Trish, and the exciting announcement. And when we've been just – we can't couldn't wait to announce it, and we finally are able to. Um I'm so yeah. Should I go ahead and do it? I'll do it. And then, then we can talk about it a little bit, but this HR happy hour show is sponsored by our friends at paychecks. Paychecks ha- makes it simple for businesses of all sizes to pay and manage their employees. They make payroll easy and automatic and they handle benefits programs as well. Paychecks guides businesses through their human resources challenges by keeping them up to date with ever changing laws and regulations online and on mobile over the phone in person any combination of the above with paychecks, they will work with you the way you want to work. And you can learn more about them at paychecks.com. But beyond just, you know, kind of reading that announcement, Trish, let's talk for a second about our friends at paychecks and how excited we are that they uh, they're joining us uh, on the HR happy hour show this year.
0: I
2: am. I have to tell you, I am so excited. I have actually had the pleasure of working with them um, different times now. And so whether it's on um, thinking through the strategic direction that they're taking, and as you mentioned, they, they really are doing quite a bit that people may not be familiar with or haven't had an update in a little while. So definitely checking out the website. Um, They have a great portion of their website called insights, which you can really get exposed to articles, webinars um, on every single topic in the employee life cycle. So it's a really good resource too, if you're not even quite in the market yet to be thinking about making a change. But, um, but what I like best is the people they are so friendly sincerely and um, you know I, I just can't say enough kind things about them I've you know been on stage with with Tom there at HR tech last year had a blast um, you know obviously I'm a big payroll geek as any listener knows and uh, so it's right up my alley but yeah I think it's important when you have um, a relationship with a vendor and you're thinking about who you want to actually partner with because that's what it is partnership it's you want a really solid solution something you can trust and then you want a solution built by people who really do uh, look to the future and stay abreast of all of the legislation and changes that are happening and things like that and then that also just are really good people so I happen to think that's the trifecta
1: yeah, I, I I I agree, Trish, with all of that. And I'll just add one more thing is I lived in the area where Paychex is headquartered for quite a long time. They have a special affinity for me, too. I know a lot of people there personally and have known for many, many years, including uh, my for, a former boss of mine, who's been on the show a couple of times, Lori Zuka, who oh, runs HR for Paychex, internal HR for Paychex. We're going to get Lori back on the show, by the way. I'll have to reach out You're to her. Normally, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's great to work with them.
2: Up with being your boss, they deserve. (laughs) So let's just slow clap right there for Lori.
1: (laughs) she she's fantastic. Everybody there is fantastic too. So, and and just last thing, you know, we're making a little bit of a big deal about it because it is a big deal to us. We had a lot. uh, We get approached all the time, Trish, and listeners as well. We get approached all the time about organizations who might want to work with us or partner with us, and we're very, very selective about who we work with, and I couldn't feel better about uh, uh, partnering with Paychex on the HR Happy Hour show this year, and so they'll be with us all year long, so you'll be hearing us talk about them you know, pretty much for the rest of 2020, and we're super excited and thankful and proud and just really appreciative of everything they do, so uh, that, that's it. That's our big announcement, and we wanted to make sure we got that out there.
2: I'm really glad that you mentioned that because we do get approached by, you know, a lot of times maybe companies we've not heard of. And, and so for us to say yes to someone, it's a lot of sort of soul searching and, you know, because we, we really only want to um, help promote something that we actually believe in. And for me, that comes down to like, you know, if I have money in my hand, what would I spend my own money on? And so that's, yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal when we work with yeah. someone like
0: their I, I tell you the only, for-
1: the only, the only company I could think of that I might like nudge paychecks out of the way for if they approached us, Trish, is Diet Dr. Pepper, who, if they came that. in hard, I may, but other than <laughs> them, you know, it's. Uh, I'm going to tell our uh, friends Tom Hammond
2: and Tracy Volkman that they, I guess they're going to have to send you a six pack of
1: water, uh,
0: <laughs> <or something>, right? <laughs> so- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I actually wouldn't push paychecks away for diet Dr. Pepper. We'd we, we, we make it work. But um all right. So thank you, for everyone at Paychecks, and check them out at paychecks.com. So, Trish, let's talk Oscars. Oh. I'm so
0: excited.
2: You <laughs> know what? Look, I think this started because of me, because years ago, I don't even know how many years, it's sort of like the Rose Parade for me, right? So, um, I got into watching the Oscar movies. I had talked to you, you were watching Oscar movies. Maybe we weren't watching all of them or attempting all of them, but it just turned into something that's really fun to do. And, you know, often with the movies that are nominated for the Oscar, they're usually very, I don't know, um, intense storylines that are well-developed. And so I I like to call them like smart movies. Right. And, um, yep. So it's a nice way to start out the calendar year, I think, by going to some movies that, you know, might, they're not big blockbusters necessarily. Sometimes they are, but um, so it's been fun over the years. And I think, too, it's a good way for us to see um, maybe where our agreement lies and then where we're not so aligned. So it's right. always a exactly. fun little rub there back and forth as to who who winds up right. And, uh, yeah.
1: So Yeah. And so... So we're going to talk to all the important categories, I think. Uh, Maybe a couple of the minor ones, too, depending on how the conversation goes. I will say just this up front. I probably could have said this at the top. We're we're about 15 minutes in already. I would say mild spoilers from here on out, Trish. Probably not huge total movie plot giveaways, but certainly some spoiler probably to happen. So if there's some big Oscar movie, especially all the Best Picture nominees for sure, which we will talk about every one of those, Uh, If there's one of those you haven't seen yet and are worried that some element of it could be spoiled, you might want to skip ahead or or come back to the show after the Oscars. So there will be some mild spoilers. I'm not going to try to catch myself for the next uh, hour or so uh, every minute, but just (laughs) warning everybody in advance.
2: No, you're right, because you really can't talk about the movies without,
1: you know, some sort of spoilers. So good call. All right. So. Let you know we've done this a number of times. I always sort of forget how we do it. Let do we want to just start throwing? I'm gonna go. I'm on the oscars.com or oscar.com. I think actual the official website. I want to hit it like sort of in the order that they're hitting it on their nomination um, announcement. If that's okay, can we do that and and dive right in and maybe save the big ones for last, like they do on the real show?
2: Oh yes, I think so. Yeah, we we need to save Best Picture for last.
1: So. Yeah. All right. You That's... go
2: ahead and you pick the you pick the category.
1: All right, I'm going to lead off then. Right at the top, first category out of the box: performance by an actor in a leading role. That's right out of the box. Should be oh, leading or okay. supporting? Let's go supporting first. I, I'm I actually going in the order for... Oscar has it on their website. I think supporting will be better. Let's go supporting first.
0: Right. Performance you really by do... an actor
1: a in a supporting first. role. Okay. okay. The nominees right. for supporting actor. Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow, this is a a loaded category, Trish. I will say in advance, I did not see the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks. I'm, I'm actually surprised I didn't see that one. I am too.
2: I actually, I did see all the movies in this category. So Okay. Yeah, and I guess for any listener who hasn't listened before, I mean, obviously we try. Sometimes, though, based on where you live, you can, you know, there are some you just can't get, um, you know, in a theater right then, or some that, you know, aren't streaming yet, things like that. So there may be right. one or two there that we know. There are
1: a anyway, couple here and there I haven't seen. But,
2: yeah. I, I saw all five, and I'll just say right off, off the top. Tom's was one of the best performances in my opinion. I okay. thought the movie it was one of those movies where I kind of went into it a little bit like mm, I don't think I'm going to love it and it's its really different because I had seen the documentaries about uh, Mr. Rogers and I was a huge Mr. Rogers fan growing up. had watched probably every episode at some point and this movie was done where it was almost like an extra long episode of the Mr. Rogers neighborhood okay. and it, it just had a lot of other information um, to it. But what, what I liked about Tom Hanks's performance is, you know, obviously he doesn't really look like Mr. Rogers, but he really did such a nice job with his mannerisms, his cadence, and the way he spoke. And very quickly, I really forgot that I was watching Tom Hanks. And I really just, in my heart, felt like it was Mr. Rogers. And, of course, the way that Mr. Rogers speaks and what he talks about is so comforting most often that um, sure. it's a real, even though it's a t- tough movie at times in certain parts, they're dealing with some tough topics. Um, it, it just makes you feel good because it's Mr. Rogers. So
1: yeah,
2: I, I'll admit that. I think Tom Hanks should get the, uh,
1: get the support. So you, you're going to, you're going to pick Tom for your pick. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm a little oh, bit. You know, I'm,
2: there's a difference between what I want to win versus what I think will win. So I will right. say that is what I want to win.
1: How about that? Yeah. Let, I think that's probably the better way to approach this too, is really pick the one. If you had a vote, who would you be voting for? It's, it's okay. rather than us try to predict who might win. That's not as fun really. Cause we, we, that's why we go to see all these movies, right. To kind of share what we thought about them, right. Uh, ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sad I didn't see that movie. Uh, I do like Tom Hanks, although he is no Tom Cruise, and and I'm on the record (laughs) as as stating. I did see the other movies, though. and 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 I'm going to start, I I think I'm going to go to a place here, based on the couple of chats we've had about some of these movies in the last month or so, I think you might not agree with. But I think there's a clear winner here, Trish. and. He's he's sort of the favorite kind of, if you read some of the trades, Variety or Hollywood Reporter, etc. People think he's kind of due. He has never won. The only person nominated in this category who has not actually won an individual acting award, which is a little bit surprising to me. And that's Brad Pitt from (laughs) Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, To me, uh, this performance, and we'll talk more about the movie later, but this really was kind of apex movie star you know brad pitt kind of playing an inside uh character right a, playing a stuntman in movies right and kind of doing just all the brad pitt things you know looking like you looking like a movie star acting like a movie star kind of doing some tough guy stuff in this movie as well as kind of a he had a, kind of a sad undercurrent to him as well because he as was not as successful as um his friend uh, in the movie played by Leonardo DiCaprio, just a, a really, I thought a great performance in a movie that I liked a lot. So I, I, and I think it's, I think this time the chalk will win out. I think the favorite will win. I think, I think Pitt will win. I liked the Irishman a lot too. Um, although it, it was difficult at times to kind of figure out all the jump cuts in this movie and the time shifts. And we'll talk about that later mm-hmm. as well. But um and I like Hopkins and the two pups as well. And I have some things to say about that movie too, but to me it's, it's clear it's Brad Pitt all the way.
2: I think you're probably right. I do think he'll win. Um, I just, I still, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And we can talk about that in the movie later. I didn't get the movie. I tried three, <laughs> tried three separate times. And for anyone who's listened back to the prior years, there was a couple years ago where Fences was one of the ones. It's like, it seems like every year there's one movie. I literally cannot get through. That was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, even today, I bought it. I own this movie. I've tried three legit I think times. I do too,
0: actually. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I can get it Like 40 minutes in, and I'm just like, oh, if I if I have to torture myself another moment, I can't. So I turn it off. So all I right, don't know. well,
1: all right. So we'll disagree on that, and I think we'll probably disagree oh, a little bit later as well. But um, okay, that's good. All right. So that's kind of how it goes then, uh, gentle listener. We'll hit a few more categories just like that. Until we get to the end. So let's go to supporting actress, uh, I guess next, Trish. and Okay. the no- I'll, I'll just do the nominees here. Um,
0: performance yeah, nom- by an
1: actress. A- go ahead.
2: I said you can do the nominees. You have them right in front of you.
1: All right. Here we go. So for supporting actress nominees, Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh in Little Women, and finally, Margot Robbie in Bombshell. So, um, and again, I hate making these caveats. This is where I'm a little bit weaker, too. There are two movies here I did not see. I did not see Richard Jewell or Bombshell, and I I kind of feel bad. I wanted to catch Bombshell, and I didn't. But um, so I'm I'm, I'm picking from a limited kind of selection here of the three. I guess I'll start off uh, on this one, Trish. To me – It's a tough one because I did – of the three I saw, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, and and Florence Pugh, I liked them all. I liked all of these movies uh, at different levels. It's a toss-up for me. I I am going to say Florence Pugh and Little Women would be my selection. And I will – I just want to make an admission, Trish, before I turn it over to you about Little Women, and I'm a little bit embarrassed by this. I had heard of this, this book, right. It's a, it's a famous book from, you know, whatever, 120 years ago or whenever it was written. And it's been made into a movie six or seven times. There's been different movies of little women, which I had never seen any of them, nor had I read the book. And in my mind, I thought, you remember the old TV show little house on the Prairie that was on TV in like the seventies. So I, for Mm -hmm. some reason I thought in my head, that. They made that TV show based on the book Little Women. They just changed the name, right? So, but that—that that, I thought that was Little Women. And so, this past weekend on Saturday afternoon, I dragged myself to the movie theater by myself to catch a matinee of Little Women, not knowing anything—anything anything about it other than Little House on the Prairie is my frame of reference. Oh no! Oh, no the movie starts and we're like in New York city and we're in Boston or Paris, wherever we are. And all I started, the first 10 minutes of the movie, all I could think of was what happened to the prairie? What happened to the the ranch and homestead and Ma and Pa? I had no idea what was going on for the first 15 minutes of this movie, but I did like it in the end.
2: Okay. I love that story, and I love just picturing you going in the middle of the day to go watch
1: Little Women all by yourself. I-, I sure did. There was a few other old ladies in in the theater along with me, but yeah, that's that's what happened.
2: Oh, I shouldn't laugh. That's really good. Okay, so I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I saw the same the same three movies you did, and did not get to see Richard Jewell or Bombshell um neither one is playing anywhere remotely like within an hour hour and 20 minutes from yeah my i couldn't house, find richard so. Jewell
1: anywhere yeah
2: yeah it's really hard because uh from the previews it looks like kathy bates does a phenomenal job and that's the movie um if the listeners haven't seen it as well that's the one about the atlanta you know bombing back in what was that like 96 maybe a long time i mean a long time ago i think '96
1: is correct church yeah
2: is that right? So, um, yeah, I don't know where I pulled that one from. But anyway, yeah, so I really do hope to see that one soon. Um, I think you're right. All all of the movies, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, and Little Women are all really good in their own ways. And all of those actresses did a really nice job. Um, I think, this is where it goes, like, sink and what I want. I think Laura Dern will win because mm. she is such a cutthroat attorney. Oh, my gosh. She is. And... From what I hear, a lot of her um, best dialogue, she ad-libbed in the moment, which makes it it even that much more interesting. Um, But I really, if I had my vote, where would it go? It would go to Florence Pugh because in Little Women, I think it's, uh, again, I'm like you. I had never read the book. I had not seen any of the six or seven movies. And I was happy about that because I really didn't know what to expect. either. I wasn't going in looking for Pa and Laura.
0: But oh, really? I didn't
2: have any, yeah. But I didn't have any expectation either, other than I I kind of thought it was supposed to be about Joe, which it is. But um, anyway, Florence plays the character Amy, and she does a really really great job. I just sort of fell in love with her. So I would love to see her win, but I think probably Laura Dern's performance is is going to. Crush
1: the competition. Yeah, she was quite good. And, and there's a lot of great performances in both of those movies, great acting performances in both Little Women and in Marriage Story. And, um, yeah it's a tough call for me. I You know, I would say this, and it's almost swayed my vote. Is I, I didn't really, I know it's a beloved story and it's been made, you know, seven times into movies. I didn't really buy a little bit of Little Women. I didn't completely buy how it turned out, you know. And I, I'm not going to worry about spoiler alert from a 120-year-old book, but the fact that, um, you know, the, the neighbor guy uh, whose name I'm right. escaping me now, Lori Timothy Chalamet, kind of yeah. so easily pivots from sister number one, who he was in, allegedly in love with his whole life, to, to marrying right. sister number two, who he knew for 10 minutes, it seemed like, and he was okay with that. But, uh, Okay, fair enough. I mean, it's a different time, but um,
2: well, I no, I think you know the thing is maybe maybe how I'm interpreting a little different, and why it's still a very relevant story is that it really was you know Josephine or Joe, as she goes by, is is such um, a powerful woman in her own right, and she's wanting to go off and explore the world, and she basically is saying through the whole entire movie she doesn't need a man,
1: which is so uh, uh, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm buying the fact that she she didn't want to marry the Lori guy, that's that's totally relatable and understandable. My, my problem was Lori just saying, uh, you know, heartbroken Lori, to just kind of then go all in with the sister, who was
0: kind of the complete opposite of the,
1: the one he thought he loved, right, too, like personality-wise?
2: I don't... personality-wise, probably yes, but he really couldn't handle someone who was so headstrong and independent and wild, right? He wanted... And the pool was very small where they live. He had, you know, she was a pretty girl. She was going to win thing. I don't I know,
1: know, but <laughs> all right, we 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 don't want to turn this into the Little Women pod. We could we could go on up for a while about this. <laughs> I didn't quite buy that, but um, okay. but a good That's- movie nonetheless. I like, I, and I'll say this, and this is a good thing about these movies. Like we go to do this show every year. This this certainly is the only reason I would have dragged myself to a matinee on Saturday afternoon to watch this movie. But I liked it more than I thought I would. I really did. I had very, very low expectations for this movie. Figured this is not my kind of movie, right? And um, I liked it quite a bit more than I thought I would.
2: Okay. I, I would agree with you 100% on that. I think I might have I might have watched it on rental, but it was good. It was definitely worth worth viewing. I don't know that I would recommend going and spending the money to go to the movie theater for it, but yeah. It's a
1: good movie. One thing I learned, though, Trish, I've recently relocated in the new area where I live, which is different from where I used to live in the great uh, uh, Rochester, New York environs. The movie theaters down here sell like craft beer and wine. That's like a normal thing. I ended up being in, I guess I went to two different theaters in the course of this little exercise to prepare for the show. And both of mm-hmm. them were like fully stocked craft beer bars and, and wine counters at the theater, which I thought was pretty awesome at the theater here
2: they're definitely doing
1: that as well. Wow. That was new to me. I was kind of uh it helped me. honestly it helped me halfway through little little women. I'm not going to deny I didn't necessarily get up and <laughs> decide it might be time for it might be time for an IPA <laughs> to help me through the second half of this movie. That's but nice. um yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. On to so the next.
1: Let's do it. Let's go to uh performance by an actor in a leading role. And here are your nominees, Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix in Joker, Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. Trish, I will throw it to you on this one first, because I'm still, honestly, I'm still trying to decide who I are like.
2: Are you trying to decide? Okay. All right. So – Disclosure, I did not see Pain and Glory. And let me tell you why. I watched the trailer. I like Antonio Banderas. I'm, I feel like it looks like he does a good job. There are so many movies in this particular lineup, and I had already watched several of the documentary movies at this point. I had watched Parasite at this point, and I was going right on to Pain and Glory. I could not watch another two plus hour movie of subtitles. There's, It was just, <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. Like, I think that's part of it too. Right. So, um, you know, some of these I'm trying to, to have on during my work day, some of them I'm watching in the evenings, whatever, but it was just, you know, I sat through like three other subtitled, you know, two and a half hour movies. I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. So that one I've not seen. Um. Of Leonardo, Adam Driver, Joaquin, and Jonathan. I I saw all of those movies. As I mentioned, I'm not a big fan. I could not get through Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Although, I think that Leonardo did a great job. Like, that's where in my Mm -hmm. mind, what I did probably, I did make it through probably 40 minutes, three times. And, because I started over each time. Did you you get
1: to the scene when he's with his, his, uh, the the child actress, young child actor, female he's working with? In, in the movie or T V show. Did you get to that no. scene?
2: No. Mm. Do I need to I am gonna have to all right. Before Sunday That's I'm gonna a make a
1: scene, a very, very good scene in the movie. Okay. So yeah. It's worth it. Right. It's just I, Leonardo I, and it's this, this younger girl who's playing an actress in, in the in the in the T V show that Leonardo okay. was in. So okay. I
2: will I will go back and watch. I will. I will get through this movie if it kills me. But so just based on that, but I will say I, I feel like I've watched Definitely Enough to Judge. He did a phenomenal job. Um Adam Driver, let me tell you what, Marriage Story, and we can go into this in a little bit here, but that has got to be the most depressing, (laughs) wonderful movie I've seen. Um, You know, as someone who's going through all of that right now in a very nice way, it just, oh, I don't even want to see a bad divorce, you know? So I love him. I think he did great. Um, I watched The Joker. Joaquin is... Amazing, you know, he lost all this weight. The way he moves his body, the way that he conveys so much um, acting without speaking a word actually is is exciting as well. But this goes back to I, I probably think Joaquin will win, but if I had a vote, it would go to Jonathan Price from the two Popes. Interesting. The reason being number one, I love Jonathan Price, I, it goes all the way back to like when he was in Evita and played Juan Perón probably had a big crush on him back then, but um, no, the story that that Netflix put together for the two popes um, is so delicately told, I think, at times, and I felt like I really believed he was the Pope. and that's that's the difference. you know, I believe as I'm watching Joaquin play The Joker, I never believed he's the Joker it's still in my head that's him it's it's Joaquin with Jonathan Price I really believed that he was the Pope
1: yeah something that's a good uh
2: his caring eyes his mannerisms the way he delivered his lines it, it was just it felt real so that's why I would pick Jonathan to win I I would be very sad that he doesn't win
1: yeah, that's, I enjoyed that movie as well. I, I think it's a Netflix movie, streamed it uh, recently. I liked it. Uh, I didn't know a lot of that backstory either. And and I think I, I was kind of close. And I will admit as well, I did not see Pain and Glory either. So I did see Leonardo, Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, and, and Johnson Price. So ruling out Pain and Glory. And, and I did read some of the buzz I read is, is that Banderas actually has a shot at this. Apparently his performance is really, really good. And so maybe it's something to circle back on and, and try to catch. But um, I'm torn a little bit as well. And this is where I get into, you know, it's, 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 it's so personal, right? Art, movies, mm-hmm. books, music, what have you. I did not enjoy the Joker movie very much. And I didn't either. that fact, that factors into this for me. Right. So whether it's actor, actress, director, uh, certainly for best picture, like I didn't feel, I know, I know. And, and we'll get to this later, especially if we talk some of the documentaries i'm not saying i need my movies to be pleasant subject matter and happy and positive endings i don't need that at all but i found the joker a little bit just unnerving a little unsettling i didn't enjoy watching it i didn't you know i didn't feel good after it was over like uh and, and and that's good in a way that it's challenging material and it wants you to think but at the same time i was just like ah i just spent like two hours and i didn't enjoy almost any of it so and I was thinking Jonathan Price as well. That was the one I had penciled interest before you started talking. And then there was yep. one little element here.
0: Yep.
1: Here's, here's the reason why I'm going away from Price, which is this. Okay. In, in this movie, in The Two Popes, there are mm-hmm. several flashback scenes. They're, they're really segments, quite honestly, where right. we see a younger, a younger Jonathan Price character, Pope Francis, oh. as he's a younger priest coming up through the ranks in some of the um, trials and tribulations that they had he had in his life and he's played by a different actor because it's, it's it's a flashback back 30 40 years so it's not the same it's not jonathan price it's a different guy whose name i don't have in front of me and i thought that was such a big part of the movie the, those flashback segments and then the okay. actor who played the younger pope was very good as well but i feel like that takes away a little bit from the actor who you're saying is the best actor in a leading role when a, a, significant chunks of this movie are flashback played by a different, a different person, a different actor. So that's why I crossed off price. And I landed at Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Okay. So
1: this I is like two, yeah, I thought he was outstanding. I thought I really did like this movie. Obviously I liked it a lot more than you did. Um, I know he won recently for the Revenant and he, he, they, mm-hmm. they may not look to, to sort of award him again, but uh, I thought he had a very uh, uh significant role complex role the scenes with him and Pitt were great um and that one scene in particular if you do get to see it where he's with that young actress playing uh talking uh, uh i think you'll like that too so almost by process of elimination i went with leo here i don't feel great about it or strongly about it but that's who i've got
2: no and you know what i think that's a good example of you don't have to love the movie to really appreciate the acting and so that's one i i think if he wins i would be very happy for that like it's, it, that, that, this category again it, Antonio is probably one that's also really good um, I, I think any of any that they chose this time around for nominees are actually all quite good, good yeah. so yeah, you really can't go wrong in this category no matter who wins in my
1: opinion all right well kill. let's get one more category then we'll take a quick reset this is best uh, performance by an actress in a leading role here okay. are your nominees. Cynthia Arrivo and Harriet. Scarlett Johansson, making another appearance here, in Marriage Story. Sarzy, I don't Sorsa. know how to pronounce her name. Sorsa. 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 Mm-hmm. It's Sorsa. Iris. Sorsa, Sorsa. Sorsa Ronan in Little Women. Charlize Theron in Bombshell. And Renee Zellweger in Judy um my caveats here is that I did not see Harriet and as we mentioned before did not see Bombshell either so I'm picking only from three okay a tough one for me but I think there's a clear favorite it seems a little bit um what the press is also leaning towards and I did watch this movie the other night which is Judy Renee Zellweger was quite uh, incredible in this movie I did not know anything about the Judy Garland story, like the real life story. I mean, besides the Wizard of Oz, I had no idea. Like I was completely ignorant of, of the challenges she had in her life. I had no idea she died so young. Um, it was kind of a, a sad movie in many ways, but I definitely got the the sense that Renee Zellweger kind of inherited that role. It didn't even look like Renée Zellweger, although I'm not completely sure I know what Renell, Renee Zellweger even really looks like in her real life anymore. But um, maybe that's good. That's like a, like a a compliment to an actor or an actress, right? I have no idea what they're supposed to even look like, but um, uh, she's in pretty much every scene in the movie. The only reason to watch this movie is her performance. I think she's going to win. And I think that's, that's the choice I would make.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. Actually, I saw all of them except bombshell. Um, I think, you know, Harriet was a a really good performance by Cynthia Aribo. um, Charlotte Johansson and marriage story. I didn't really like her. I didn't like her performance in that one. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that there was ever chemistry between her and Adam driver. Like I didn't ever believe they were married. So that, right. one, I just, I can't, I just can't get there. Um, Sorsha Ronan, who I love and adore, and I think she did a great job, but I think when I compare her to Renee, it's kind of the same reason I picked Jonathan Price. With Renee, I believed she was Judy. I forgot who I was watching. And that's, to me, that's the, the edge. Um, while Sorsha Ronan was a very good actress, and it was, you know, a very challenging part for her, I thought that the Judy Garland story, I think also too, if you haven't seen Judy and it's not, it's not about her whole life. It really isn't. It's really about her last few weeks when she was performing in um, London. Yeah. Right at, the, right at the end of her life, actually. And so it's, I mean, there were definitely flashbacks to tell you sort of how she got to that point, but it's really more about, that short time in her, in her life. And the other kind of contact on Judy, um, that you might not know is Renee does her own singing. Oh, I did not know
0: that.
2: Yes. And I think that's, that's just another, uh, another reason why if an actor can, can take on not only the role, but then they're not lip syncing, she's actually singing those songs. And, um, it was interesting because I read an article where they were talking about, um, in some of the scenes where, you know, it's like her final performance, it, it was Judy Garland's final performance when Renee went out to to sing to that audience, right? So the, she hadn't seen the audience, the audience had not seen her yet, and nor had her co-stars heard her sing these songs. And so when she goes out on stage and they're reacting to her, that's the real reaction. It's not like the 10th take of some fake reaction, right, to the
1: <laughs> Right. It's,
2: that audience really listening to Renee sing to them for the first time as Judy, yeah. which to me, it, it it blends reality with, with the story. So yeah, I think, I think she should win. She did a phenomenal yeah.
1: job. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I, I'd agree with you too. And I was just thinking about this, like, you know, thinking about the movies I didn't see and I, I mentioned, I didn't see Bombshell and I wanted to, there were two nominations for, for Bombshell, but then I thought like, why would I ever want to go watch a movie about like a TV network that I would never want to watch. Like I, I like that to me just seems so um, awful, like, like, like a horrible uh, uh, investment of a couple of hours. So um, I think uh, Renee, Renee Zell are clearly uh, clearly the favorite here in this category. I think is going to win. I think Trish, we should take, can we take just a little bit of a reset Absolutely. breath here for a second? Everybody just, just dial it back down. This is the HR happy hour show. Uh, we are doing our annual Oscars preview and prediction show. We're sponsored, as we mentioned at the top, by our friends at Paychex. Thank you to them for joining us for, for the HR Happy Hour in 2020. Uh, I hope they're not reconsidering that uh, sponsorship after this first uh, sponsored show. We're going <laughs> off into into the weeds on the movies, but uh, we'll see. But um, uh, it is uh, the most fun show we do every year. And honestly, Trish, if you think about how much time we invest in preparing oh, for the show, right? Watching yeah. all these movies. You know, this we put more into this show than any other show we do all year. There's no, it's not even close. That's true because
2: I think about it, every time I go to the movies and spend, you know, twelve or thirteen dollars for the ticket, and then by the time oh, I sure. spend another fifteen on, yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't even like popcorn, but I can't just go to the movie and get no popcorn. I have to get popcorn and a soda, and you know, it's like I don't mm. even drink soda, so yeah, this is a bad thing. Or, or or
1: craft beer, as in the, in my case, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So I uh, went. to Dr Pepper. Of course. Yes. Dr. Pepper too. <laughs> right. I, Trish, so there's, I, I have my list and that's, and there, if there are other things you want to, you want to dive into, please tell me, but I've got three more I want to cover before we wrap. I want to, I want to talk best documentary feature because I did spend let's, a lot of time watching documentaries. And then of course we want to do best director and best picture.
2: Yes. Yeah, let's go for those three documentary this year. I will just say was my favorite category.
1: Oh, uh, you know what? I was going to say the same thing. I literally was going to say know? the same thing. I wrote that down. I think I liked this more in many ways than The Best oh Picture. Uh, incredible documentaries this year. I, I I sadly did not see one of them, but the the four that I did see were fantastic. Did you see all of them?
2: I missed The Cave. I have not seen it yet, but I'm going okay. to before That's Sunday. That's the same one I
1: missed. So Maybe I should do the... Uh, let me go through the nominees on documentary a little bit, and I'll actually kind of... Um, give a little blurb on each one really quickly if I can. Um, Because this is a category where certainly many folks may not have seen or not seen as many of them Uh, nominees for best documentary feature. First one is Honeyland. This movie is about the last female bee hunter in Europe who must save the bees and return the natural balance where a family of nomadic beekeepers invades her land and threatens her livelihood this film was filmed in Macedonia, which is an incredible movie, incredible looking movie. We'll talk about that more in a second. The next uh, nominee is American Factory, uh, which is, this is one maybe me, made me more people saw. This is, a t- this is a workplace movie, Hall of Fame movie, too. We should probably do a whole show we're, on this movie. On that one, yep. I agree. But uh, this is movie set in post industrial Ohio where a Chinese billionaire opens a factory in an abandoned General Motors plant, hiring 2,000 Americans. Early days of hope and optimism give way to setbacks as high-tech China clashes with working-class America. The next next nominated movie is called For Sama. This is, man, a wrenching movie to watch. It's an intimate and epic journey into the female experience of war. It's a love letter from a young mother to her daughter. The film tells the story of Wad El-Khattab's life through five years of the uprising in Aleppo, Syria. Next nomination is a movie I liked quite a bit, actually, called The Edge of Democracy, a cautionary tale of democracy in crisis. The personal and political fuse in The Edge of Democracy explores one of the most dramatic periods in Brazilian history. And it's there's more to it. I'm not going to read it all. But the last one is similar to Forsama. It's also called The Cave. I did not see this one as well, but it's another movie set in war torn Syria about a dedicated team of female doctors who tirelessly tirelessly treat casualties in an underground hospital from 2016 to 2018. So similar in, in subject matter to Forsama, just slightly different. But wow, Trish, what a lineup of movies. I don't even know where to start. Um, uh, and I have a very difficult time picking one as well. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punt a little bit because I did just read a lot and I need to take a breath. Maybe just your thoughts on some of these documentaries
2: sure i I have to agree with you. these are all worthy of winning. They really are, and that's that's rare to say i mean we've we've watched documentaries in the past, and you know sometimes it's really hard to get through them. just it isn't that interesting. Um, these are really interesting movies. What I like the most about the movies that are nominated this year is I walked away from each one, even though they might have touched on really tough topics, tough situations. But I walked away from each one feeling like I really, really learned about another culture. And I think in these times, just in our own country, that's so important right now. We're trying to be more aware and understand, um, you know, people with different backgrounds and different views. And so watching any of these, I think, helps you get a little closer to um, mm-hmm. having understanding for what people go through. I, I, I will say this. I, I liked them all. Um, I have a clear winner, which for okay. me is honey. I literally could watch Honeyland a hundred times and never tire of that movie for some reason it's the the thing about a documentary, if they're done really well, it's from the very first second that the movie starts. I always pay attention to how is that opening um it It's usually different than a a feature film you know it's much more intimate and personal and I just felt like with Honeyland I I fell in love with the main character Mm. I wanted her to succeed I felt when when she felt pain um you know she's she's basically in an abandoned town with her 85 year old mother who's very ill and it's just the two of them and she's climbing up the mountain. She walks miles and miles to get to this mountain, climbs the mountain, goes to her bees. You know, she's she never has any protective gear on whatsoever. She sings to the bees; they don't sting her. You know, it's just this. It was like a love story to the bees. Is how I viewed it, and <laughs> I, I just loved her. I, it was a very nice movie because it was it was very calming to watch, almost to get you know. As you mentioned, there there are some other factors that come into play later on in the movie, but I don't know. That was my favorite. Second favorite for me, though, is American Factory. I have talked to quite a few people who have seen that one. I think, too, the fact that, you know, I work on HR Tech China. You've been to China, uh, as I have, numerous times. We've done work there. We work with people regularly who are are Chinese citizens. Um, There is definitely... Um, a difference in work ethic and culture and it is front and center in that American Factory documentary.
1: So, yeah, I, I, I totally would agree with that Trish and maybe this is why I like that movie so much as well from our experiences over in China. I've been there four or five times. We're, we're hopeful to go back this year as well. Um, I think it's important bigger picture right going forward that um, our country and China um, uh, find ways to understand each other better, work better together, live peacefully together, uh, you know, forever. I think, I think one of the main challenges with this, which this movie really brings to the forefront without hammering it over the head, but, it, but I do think just again, from, from a movie like this and just our own experiences too, is that it's sometimes hard for people uh, here in the U S to sort of um, relate to, the idea of a culture like, like in China still, for the most part, where, um, where the individual person is often seen as much less important than the institution. Right. And, you know, when, so when this Chinese company comes over and opens up their, their U S branch of their factory and they're manufacturing glass for automobiles, they're expecting the workers to have this, incredible loyalty and discipline and subservience really honestly to to the company to the institution because that's the expectation and that's what's uh, the c- culturally rewarded and acceptable in China and obviously here in America it's a little bit different that's the entire movie to me is, is that there's, the, the, there's that clash right that the, and, and it's it's fascinating it doesn't really resolve itself either which also I think is a good an element of good storytelling too because it's a super complex you know question set a problem. so um love that movie a lot um i agree with you honeyland two's right up there for me um uh, i think uh i'm probably going to go american factory though that would be the one i would select i think it i think was probably the best one most interesting one to me probably will win with honorable mention to you know you talk about Honeyland a lot i'll mention for sama a little bit oh my oh. god that's a A hard movie to watch, but an important one as well. I feel sad to admit I didn't know as much about what was was really happening over in Syria over in that time period. And this documentary helps to um, – helps shed some light on what was really happening and and how how many people were suffering over there. So it was was very eye-opening. Yeah,
2: I agree. And I think nowadays with so many people having – Netflix, Hulu, all these ways to stream these type of movies, I, I would just highly recommend. any. You cannot go wrong in this category this year. It's really worth your time. And um, I think American Factory, I, I'm okay if they win as well because I think too, if you're an American citizen and you watch that movie, you will appreciate the rights and the freedoms that we have here and, and some of the protections that we have in place for ourselves as employees um, that it's, that's where the culture clash comes as well. You know, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, uh, the Chinese workers are working, you know, I think they said uh, it was like 16 to 18 hour days every day of the month. And they'd get two days off a month. Yeah. They might go home to see their family once every six months. And that was normal. That was absolutely normal. And there's nothing wrong with that. I will just say that there's nothing wrong with that. That's how they are raised. And that's, that's what they expect. And it's just extremely different from what, from what we do and how we, how we work. And um, so, yeah, really good movie.
1: Yeah, all, all, all really good as well. And even the, Brazil, the movie about the Brazilian political kind of intrigue, if you're a political junkie, oh, okay. I think you'd enjoy that one as well.
2: Yeah, I agree. Really good. And so I, and I want to see the cave before Sunday, just so I can stand like, close out the catapult. I do as
1: well, honestly. <laughs> really yeah.
2: Good, really good things on that movie as well. So I think, again, um, these this is how you educate yourself really when you watch things like this reality based, you know, um, and that don't have good resolution, right? There's no happy ending sometimes. It just is what it is. And so that's, It'll leave you feeling unsettled, but maybe that's what it takes sometimes to bring about change in our world, so.
1: Yeah. All right, Trish, so we're towards the end. I think maybe just to try to be mindful of of wrapping this up, how about we do this? How about we just, like, hit the Best Picture nominees, there are nine of them, and then we'll kind of wrap the Best Director talking to that same conversation because there were five nominations for Best Director, which are five of the nine Best Picture uh, nominees. Maybe we, we do it that way.
2: Let's do it that
1: way. Okay. So did you so, see
2: all of them then? All of the Best Picture nominees?
1: So Trish, I'm proud to say with my my uh, heroic trip to the matinee for Little Women and one other trip to some other theater to see, I forget which other one I saw in the theater. Um, I did. I, I did see all nine Best Picture nominees. Uh, how about yourself?
2: I did. I made it. thanks to uh, thanks to Amazon Prime for Ford versus Ferrari and Jojo Rabbit yes I made it as well I watched
1: Jojo Rabbit last night that was it I wrapped it well
2: that's because that one just became available yesterday so that was that's uh,
1: right I know that's right more (laughs) behind the scenes kind of intrigue at the Asia Happy Hour show we were going to record this show yesterday and we realized we had to wait one more day so we could see Jojo Rabbit Um, so we, we pushed this out to a Wednesday recording so all right Real quick, the Best Motion Picture of the Year nominees are Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, which is also nominated for Best Director, Jojo Rabbit, uh, where's my director list? Uh, I don't know if that's nominated for Best Director. I'll come back to the directors. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just just to make sure I get this right, the, the director uh, nominees are Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Tarantino, who doesn't need a first name, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. We have not talked about Parasite at all on this podcast, what? Trish. I think we should probably at least start there and then we can maybe hit some of these other ones as well.
2: Yeah. Let's at least talk a little bit about these. Um, So parasite was nominated for some other things, uh, categories we're not covering. Um, And, and for me, it's, it's really, this is about the difference in, um, you know, in class. Um, So it's, it's a, a poor family, who is really interested in sort of the wealthy and glamorous uh, Park family, they start integrating themselves into the Park family's lives and they really just start, you know, if you think of a parasite it, like lives off the host, that's really what um, what the character uh, Kai Tech, which he goes by the name of Kevin, and his family sort of become the parasite on this wealthy Park family. Um, it's Interesting fun fact, the entire movie was shot in 77 days, mm. and while this is the very first uh, South Korean movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture, um, it is it does have subtitles, but let me tell you what, every single person that I have told, like, you must go see this movie, and they all love it. Everyone has said it is absolutely worth sitting through and reading the subtitles to to hear this story it is beautifully told
1: yeah i like this movie a lot it's so different and i won't spoil spoil this one it, it's got a course the, the last 20 minutes are crazy and the other one thing i read about it, uh this movie which is interesting is that yeah so the whole kind of theme is this very rich family and then this very poor family and the poor family kind of leeches onto the rich family and gets themselves employed through a lot of misinformation and deceit and some con et cetera, et cetera. but the other side of it is boy this rich family can't really exist without these poor family people helping them right they can't seem to get their crap together they can't throw a party they can't get their kid through school they can't teach their their other kid how to play the piano or whatever the one was teaching her right Uh, like you know what i mean like they needed each other in a way so yeah i thought that was an interesting way to look at it too
2: Yeah, this is one for sure. I will just say this. I am the worst when it comes to guessing endings, and my daughter is the best, and even she couldn't guess the ending. So I definitely don't want to give a single thing away on this one. I would just say, if you have not seen Parasite, I don't care if you have to rent it, buy it, go to the, you know, whatever. Watch Parasite. It's really, really worth, you know, the two-hour time investment.
1: Yeah, another movie we haven't talked about much either because it, it did not get any acting nominations as well, neither did Parasite, was 1917, which seems to be a favorite for winning Best Picture. This is a World War I story about two soldiers who were chosen to deliver an ambush warning message to another British regiment that's isolated deep in German enemy territory. It's shot incredibly to make it appear like it's one long unedited shot, which I don't think it was, but it feels like just two hours of real time action in one long shot. I will say this: mm-hmm. one, you know, I, re- I did write down some snubs that I wanted to mention. I won't get through them all, but in my mm-hmm. extensive prep for the show, Trish, how George McKay, who plays kind of the primary soldier in 1917, mm-hmm. did not get nominated for a Best Actor award oh. to me is criminal. He's in every right. shot of the movie for two straight hours, and it's it's nominated for best picture. It, it, it many people think it will win, and this guy gets nothing, no nod, no sniff. That's a crime, Trish. Crime. I will
2: tell you what I agree, and if he had been nominated, he would have been my pick for sure, hands down. I, you know, maybe he's a, a lesser known actor, but he did a phenomenal job. Um, I I will be honest I went into that movie thinking like "Mm, I'm probably not going to love this one what a great movie like what a great movie it um, it's a little long I think you know it's like any of these movies sometimes you think like oh you could probably cut 20 30 minutes out of some of these and you know but what was really fascinating too it was was different than than what I thought it's not your typical war movie because it is shot like a continuous shot Um, the cinematography is beautifully done the costumes are just, oh my gosh, they're they're absolutely perfect. And like that was one where it didn't even get nominated for costume design. I'm really? Like, okay. You know, sometimes they'll show you like close-ups when the when he's walking, and it's like the mud is all in his uniform. And it's like I'm sitting there watching it, thinking like, oh my gosh, these are the best costumes ever. And then I look, and it's not, it didn't even get an nod for that as well. So, yeah, definitely some snubs on this one. Um, it, it takes place in a very what you, what would you say like thirty six hour time frame maybe it's
1: it, a very it short like amount even, of time yeah, it feels like even less, yeah. but you're right it, it's it's a it's a compact movie in many ways um unlike some of these other yeah. movies which I feel like uh it, it, there are marathons to get through um visually appealing gripping story a story- and kind of like sometimes war movies. are are a little bit anticlimactic because you kind of know the ending to them. Like we sort of understand the story of D-Day. We understand Dunkirk, which was a really good movie, but like we were more familiar with what those actual events. And this movie was kind of an adaptation. We weren't really sure what was going to happen. There were some surprises along the way, quite honestly. And um, I liked it for that as well. I really did like the movie quite a bit. Trish, speaking of too long, another movie we should just touch on briefly. Um, uh, is the Irishman, which okay. the, which uh, is a Netflix movie, an adaptation of Frank the Irishman Sheeran's confessional account of his wife as a hitman for the mob. There's the labor unions. There's Jimmy Hoffa in there. Uh, some great acting. It, it feels like a like a a. a, a somewhat retold goodfellas kind of story and goodfellas quite honestly being the better movie which is maybe one of the problems with this movie trish like you watch this movie and all you can think of is goodfellas and maybe even a lesser extent the godfather which are both superior movies to the irishman which is i think one of the problems with this movie
2: i was gonna say about you know an hour into it i'm thinking like oh my goodness it's like every good person from goodfellas i would rather just turn this off and go watch them in their heyday
1: <laughs> right
2: right yeah, I mean like, look I love I love Al Pacino I love De Niro and you know Joe Pesci like they're amazing actors but but truly for this particular story it really like go watch Goodfellas save your time save your money watch Goodfellas
1: I would say this Pesci was very very good and uh, I almost thought about picking him as a supporting actor and also De Niro getting a snub I mean you know maybe America's most famous actor or well-regarded actor v- over his long career, no nomination guess, for De Niro was surprising too.
2: It, are they really playing characters? No, they're just kind of, he—he's playing every character he's ever played. I don't what? know. It's just it seems like a stretch to me. I'm not buying it. Yeah.
1: Let's mention a couple more real quick, just because I feel like we haven't talked about as you know, there's so many of them, we can't talk about them all. Do we? do you have anything to say about Ford versus Ferrari? I don't have a lot to say other than I liked it. I don't feel like it belongs in this list. I think it's just a good popcorn summertime movie. Do you have any thoughts on Ford versus Ferrari?
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. So it's about uh, American car designer Carol Shelby and the driver Ken Miles um, as they were trying to, you know, build the car that would, you know, eventually challenge Ferrari right at Le Mans in 1966. So based on real people, based on a real event. Um, it was an event I was not familiar with um, in great detail. So that was nice. It was, you know, I, I was still so surprised at the end, at the ending. Um, Matt Damon, I think does a really nice job and Christian Bale too. I mean, they're, they're really good. There's some other familiar kind of character actor faces in the movie as well. Yeah. I think you're. it's not an Oscar type movie, but um, I liked it. I thought it you know it was good at holding your attention there's some really there's some really great scenes in there um you know and just you know there's there's lee iacocca's in there as a young man and you know just the whole story of ford and yeah that
1: surprised me as well i mean I, I was not familiar with the story at all and when okay the, and the one actor comes in the older gentleman who's also a guy who's in a ton of movies lately and say, oh, it's henry ford jr and and Right. And let me introduce you to my, my assistant here, Lee Iacocca. I was like, oh, Lee yeah. Iacocca. I, I've heard of that guy. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was kind of funny.
2: Now, this is one, see where I'm saying, like, don't watch The Irishman. I don't think that should be on the list. I don't think Ford versus Fry should actually be nominated, but I would tell somebody, like, oh, yeah, that'd be, yeah. If you, you know, if you like Matt Damon, you like Kristen Bell absolutely
1: that's a good movie to go watch yeah good action shot well yeah. looks good a pretty movie good you know if you, if you dig that 60s vibe with the clothes and the the aesthetic right, right and fast cars great really good movie not not an academy award-winning movie i have one more trish only and then we'll get to our picks that i do want to talk about a little and there could be a little bit recency bias here because this literally was the last one of these i watched last night and i think you did too which Thank is you. jojo rabbit this is about a young boy in Germany during World War II named Jojo. He's lonely. He learns that his mother is actually hiding a Jewish girl in their attic, sort of like an Anne Frank kind of vibe there. And mm-hmm. Jojo, you know, is has got in his little 10-year-old head that he's going to be the next, you know, Nazi superstar. And he, you know, he struggles a little bit with that eventually becomes very very close and friends with the jewish girl that they're hiding and some other things happen you know which are i'm not going to spoil the rest of the movie but i mean the thing to me which was uh just interesting i'm not saying i liked it necessarily and a lot of people have come down hard on this because it, it, it it's it's they're acting like you know making like it shouldn't be like kind of um joking material or satire material though is he has an imaginary friend in his head that he talks to which is actually adolf hitler but it's not the adolf hitler that you think it's sort of a comical satirical you know making fun of adolf hitler thing but 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 hitler quote unquote is in this movie a lot which i guess from reading about this movie a little bit a lot of people had had a big problem with it, it, it's a movie unlike anyone I'd ever seen before. I liked it, but uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit ambivalent towards it as well for that reason. Trish, I don't know what you thought about it.
0: So
2: I just watched it as well. Um, it was definitely, I'm glad I watched it. I don't know that it should be on this list. I, it did actually remind me of, of sort of two other movies stylistically. So stylistically, it's beautifully done. The colors, the way that the, the sets look, Um, It really, if you like Wes Anderson movies, it really, really, really reminded me of like Grand Budapest Hotel or
0: Moonrise
2: Kingdom in the way that Wes Anderson kind of shoots his movies. This to me had that same type of feel, but I would say that if you like that type of movie, I would not watch this one. Go rent Grand Budapest Hotel or, you know, Moonrise Kingdom and, and do that. It, yeah. When, yeah. It was a little bit out there. It was fine. I'm okay that I watched it, but yeah, it it definitely shouldn't be on the list, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think we've talked at least somewhat about all of the movies on the Best Picture list, some more than others. Rather than, you know, recircle around back to them, I think we'll do this, Trish. Let's go to the director nominees one more time. We'll make our picks, and then we'll make our pick our picks for Best Picture one more time. The the, uh, the nominees for directing are from The Irishman, Martin Scorsese, Joker, Todd Phillips, 1917, Sam Mendes, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino, and finally, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho. Uh, I'll go first, Trish, if that's okay. Um,
2: I'm curious because I've been dying to try and like, figure out who you were going to choose. There are some ones in here I know you like.
1: So I, I think, it's, I think it's, 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 it's very, very tough. There's only one I obviously can rule out because I just did not really enjoy the movie, which is Joker, and I'll rule out The Irishman too because I just think it was – it's interesting, but there's way better versions of this movie as we talked about a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with Tarantino here, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I like this movie a lot. And I think, honestly, Trish, I think this is the kind of movie that's going to age pretty well. Now it is set back in the late sixties, maybe early seventies. So it's, it's not a contemporary movie. So that part of it won't make it age badly. If if that makes sense, it's already set in the past. I think it's going to age well. It's an interesting story it has a fun, it kind of a clever ending. I'll call it, I'll call it that. And um Two big, big movie stars, arguably at the height of their powers, both in nominated roles here. A director, oddly enough, who I believe, Trish, has acclaimed director who's never won for directing, ever. And uh, maybe it's his time as well. And from what I hear is that the uh, Oscar people like movies that are about the movie business, which this movie is about as well. And uh, I'm picking that one. I'm picking Tarantino here.
2: Okay, I really hope anybody but Tarantino wins it. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, I, I'm going to try my best to get through this movie. I really am. And I, I like a lot of different movies, so I don't know what it is that bothers me about this movie. I will just say this. I think, and I'm hoping that what happens last year, which really made me upset last year, if you remember, Green Book came out of nowhere and won Best yes. Picture. I know you and I both loved Roma last year. I, yes, love I love flag Black- Roma I really wanted Black Klansmen to win We had Black Panther and Bohemian Rhapsody and some other really the favorite really good movies and Green Book comes out of nowhere and takes it so I guess with that in mind anything's possible and I think if I have to say what I think is going to win I think it's going to be 1917 mm-hmm. um, because I do feel like people like that sort of that epic kind of story that's just you know you don't necessarily know how it's going to end I think that's going to win but man if I if anything in my power can help like send good vibes to Parasite I really really want uh, Bong Joon-ho to win for director I want Parasite I want them to win it all I literally want them to be the green book of this year and like take it all because I can't I always think back to like like I said, with Honeyland, what what movie could I really watch like a hundred times? Right, Parasite. That's the one. If I never see another movie on this list again, I'm totally fine with it. Um, the way that that Bong Joon Ho tells that story, the way that the the cinematography is, the just everything about it.
1: Yeah. That's uh. So yeah, no, and, and I think it makes sense when you're kind of thinking about the Academy Awards to kind of ride the movie that you thought for whatever reason was the best one, the most compelling one, you know, the most gripping one and and moved you the most, et cetera. And, and feel like, you know, root for it to, to kind of make that sweep. And with that in mind, and I don't think it's going to win. Uh, I don't think it's going to sweep. Like I've basically, I've picked it in almost every category here that it's nominated for. I will pick once upon a time in Hollywood for my best picture. I, I I liked Parasite quite a bit and I'm thinking though that are, are we ready you know in the US Academy Awards to to do kind of a foreign language film for best picture it's never happened it, and I saying it shouldn't have happened I thought it should have happened last year with Roma if it didn't happen with Roma which I which I kind of thought was a better film than Parasite um didn't win uh, I I, I, I and I, like I said, I think once upon a time in Hollywood's going to age really, really well. I think it's a movie ten years from now. If you like stumble across it on cable, you, you know I'd watch it for a while anyway. And there's a couple of others as well. I'm not sure I would with *Parasite*, maybe I would. Um, but uh, I feel like it's uh, almost like a kind of a crowning achievement in some ways for some of these folks who are involved and have been around and been in our lives, our movie lives for a long time with Tarantino and DiCaprio and Pitt. Uh, I, I. And again, I, I just like the storytelling. I like the look of it. I, I think it's got a lot going for it. Will it win? Probably not. But I'm picking it. That's what I'd vote for. It will win, then. It'll,
2: it'll do it like that, like I do. But if, you, if it doesn't win, what one do you think will win? I think
1: 1917 is going to win, I think. Um, war mm-hmm. movies have a pretty good track record of, of winning Academy Awards. There's been quite a few of them. And uh, I think that's probably going to win.
2: Do you feel like it's because that's a more generally appealing movie
1: to the masses? Uh, I, I think the filmmaking of it, the, the kind of this whole, Oh, it's one big continuous shot thing intrigued a lot of people. It's, it's emotional, but without being, um, uh, it's, it's got a weird ending too, that makes you feel, could make you feel good about a, an awful war movie, right. In a way uh, without going into exactly how it ends. And so I, I think, I think, it, I think it could win. I think that director is well-regarded Mendez. And um, did you, do you know, he was the guy who did American beauty all those years ago. I didn't know that until I just read that today.
2: Oh, I I love that movie.
1: Yeah,
0: well,
2: I think, you know, parasites um, thing that it has against it, not just being a, you know, a subtitled movie, which is always, I think part of the, Part of the problem, you have to really be willing to sit down and watch it. And it was like that with Roma, right? Where you have to really be yeah. sitting, sitting down and attention to read it all to get the full emotion of the story. But it is also nominated for international feature film. And yeah, good point. I, I think they're going to give that award. I think it's going to get the Oscar there, which then they'll feel like, oh, we don't have to do it. But it's up against Honeyland too. So then I'm like, oh, that's another one where if they give, international feature film, The Honeyland, they may not give it a documentary. So there's a little bit of game playing on the ballot, I think. We'll see how it all turns out. But Can, yeah,
1: And I want to ask one more. I should have mentioned this when we were talking about Jojo Rabbit a second ago, and it just hit me now. One of my snubs. And I don't know how you feel about child actors or actresses getting nominated, but mm-hmm. the, the, the boy who plays Jojo, I don't know how old the actor is in real life, but his name is Roman Griffin Davis. And mm-hmm. Uh, carries that movie it uh, says here on imdb he was born in 2007 so he's he's not quite 13 He's 12 years old and he plays like a 10 year old in the movie so it's about right yeah Uh, how does that that, how does he not get
2: nominated i
0: don't
2: know because and look um i'm reading here he was nominated for a sag award so i mean he he's nominated in other award ceremonies. It's really strange that you're right. He is that entire movie, and he does a great job. What a great little yeah. kid. Like
1: he, amazing, yeah. amazing performance by that little kid. I'm yeah, jealous. He did, a, he did a nice job. Wow, Trish. So, I, I don't think... I didn't look at any other categories, by the way. I didn't look at any of the technical stuff, music, song, any of that stuff. So, I have no comments on anything else, <laughs> with uh, the Academy Awards, other than what we've well, talked about so far?
2: I, I think the only one, we don't have to go into them, but I think for me also, I look at cinematography because it's really, that's okay. such a huge, a huge part of how the story gets told. Um, we don't have to pick them. I think they're actually pretty good. It's uh, The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um we, we didn't talk about the lighthouse, but I mean, again, I think what I'm, what I'm liking about this year's list is that in a lot of these categories, it really is like, it could be anybody's thing. They all did a nice job there. Um, you know, same thing with like, you know, makeup and um, some of the other.
1: Yeah. Other costumes ones. and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Set design, it's production design. Yep.
2: No, there are no losers in these lists. I think really the only list that, that I would change all is, is best picture. I think nine is too many. I would really love them to cut that down to maybe five and, yeah. and make a go of it. You know, so. For me,
1: honestly, if you're going to do nine best pictures or eight or seven or whatever, throw a couple more acting nominations out there. Like, why not? Like we're, we're talking about Robert <laughs> De Niro getting snubbed, Georgia McKay getting snubbed, the little boy from Jojo getting snubbed, you know, Christian Bale, would not even mention Ford vs. Ferrari. Nothing, right, for him. He was very was good in that great. movie. It was yeah.
2: great. I under- so I guess I don't understand sometimes what goes into the nomination process of, of each one, but yeah, it's like, how do you win, how can you win Best Picture if you don't have the other categories represented? That, You know, that just doesn't seem right. Yeah, um, yeah time will tell. I will tell you, though, I don't think I'll be as mad as last year. It's like when you say it, <laughs> watch that final best picture and then it's green book and i was like really oh my gosh i went to bed so mad so i'm hoping <laughs> but, like i guess like what if i have to look at it? what would make me angry if it wins um yeah. maybe maybe your your pick if once upon a time in hollywood oh wins. yeah i
1: guess that's the one the one you can't watch you should try to try to fight your way through it before sunday i promise I'm you it'll grow on you point.
2: i'm going on record i'm gonna finish this movie if it kills me so maybe, maybe I will like it if I get past the first 40 minutes.
1: Yeah. Well, it looks like I've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with a, with a fairly big sweep. It, it, I'll probably be wrong. You're more uh, over the map. You've got a lot of different selections and um, uh, you're probably going to be closer to being right. I think the only one we agreed, well, we agreed on a couple of them. We both agreed on Renee, Renee Zellweger. And yeah. we, no, that was it. I think it's, oh, no, Florence Pugh. We agreed on her. So we had a oh, couple yeah. we agreed on. Yeah, she was great in that movie. I really liked her a lot, even though I didn't, I didn't sort of believe any of the story, but uh, she was really good in it.
2: Even though she wasn't playing Laura Ingalls Wilder.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I should should rewrite that story. I can't believe I didn't know that, but then you know, I guess I I just, I never really thought about it uh, along the way. So, all right, Trish, we did it. Uh, in, In, you know, it's it's fitting that for the podcast we spend the most time on, the most uh, effort in, the most investment of our our emotional labor in, that it is our longest podcast of the year, probably as well. That's cool. I'm glad. I hope I hope folks have hung around to the end. I hope you enjoyed it. And honestly, like we're doing it anyway every year, even if you don't particularly enjoy it. If you, if this wasn't your cup of tea, tune in next week. We'll we'll talk about it's, benefits administration yeah, or something like that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're just we're just like the real show. We've just saved you two hours of your of having to watch the Oscars.
1: Yeah, and and the funny thing is, after all this time, all this prep, all this thing about it, I don't actually watch the Oscars usually. I, I might turn it on for a minute or two. It, it's not my sort of cup of tea to actually watch it. So
2: um, maybe we need our own award. That's it. We just need to change it. We'll use their nominations and then we give our own awards for these movies. That's a
1: good idea. We should do that. Or maybe we can do some sort of HR Academy Awards next year. We will have to think about Ooh, that. All right, cool, Trish. I think I think we can wrap here. So the the Oscars is this Sunday, February. What is that? February ninth. Yes. This this show we actually recorded it live. If you couldn't tell, so this will be posting uh, almost immediately. Uh, thanks once again to our friends at Paychex. Um, we're so happy to be working with them. With Paychex, you know, with us this year, we're going to have a great year on the HR Happy Hour show. Um, They make it simple for businesses of all sizes to pay and manage their employees. They make your payroll easy and automatic. They handle benefits programs, and they help guide you through your human resources challenges by keeping you up to date with ever-changing laws and regulations, online, mobile, over the phone, in person, any combination of the above. Learn more about that at paychex.com. And one more shout-out to our friends there, Trish.
2: That's right. We love them, and we're so excited to be working with them. Also, look back in on uh, our HR Happy Hour archives, because we've done some shows with paychecks. We did one in December with Pam Hammond, um, who is their executive in charge of product, and it was a really interesting show, and we talk a lot about um, compliance, end of year, beginning of year, sort of compliance, and how to be prepared, and it was a really good show,
1: really good episode. Absolutely. So, all right. Good stuff, Trish. Uh, So enjoy the uh, Academy Awards this weekend. That's great. You too. All right. That's it from the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes for Trish McFarland. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you next time. And bye for now.
0: No!